Trading short naked puts, i.e. put selling or put writing, can be an effective and profitable options trading strategy. Often the attraction in naked put selling is the ability to collect premium with a margin of error if the stock drops and have the ability to purchase stock at a discount to the current market price. The trouble comes, however, when the stock moves lower and challenges the naked put position. And today's show is dedicated to helping you understand all the ways you can hedge short naked puts. You're listening to the Option Alpha podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you consistently play smarter, more profitable trades. So thank you so much again for tuning in today. On today's show number 196, we're going to be talking about hedging short naked put option contracts. And this is specifically geared towards those people who like to trade short puts, whether it's put selling, put writing, whatever you call it, we just call it naked short put writing or naked short selling. And we're going to be talking through the different ways in which you can hedge and adjust and roll those contracts. So if this is something that's in your wheelhouse, you'll definitely enjoy today's podcast. As a quick reminder before we jump into it, we only have 12 days left, depending on when you're actually listening to this podcast, 12 days left until the elite lifetime price goes up. So on November 1st, the elite lifetime price for the new auto trading platform goes up and then the lifetime option goes completely away on December 1st. So if you're still interested, you still have a couple days left. If you still want to join us for a demo, head on over to optionalpha.com slash demo. We're still doing a bunch of demos to round out this month. And then we're going to start transitioning a little bit to start doing more work with our beta users and start doing webinars with them moving forward over the next couple months. So this is your opportunity to get your questions answered. The demos have been super fun. Lots of people in there all the time, tons of questions back and forth. Sometimes they go two and a half, three hours of just Q&A at the end. It's been really, really fun to do. So just want to give you a quick reminder so that you know exactly what's happening. So you're not looking at it later and you're like, I never knew it was coming because I know Undoubtedly, some people are going to email me and they're going to say, I never knew that November 1st was the last date that I could sign up or the last time that I could have the lowest price. And so I just want to get, make you guys aware so you have total clarity and understanding on this. We've been talking about this for about two months now. So that's how long we've given everyone to make a decision and choose and decide what they want to do if they want to be part of it or not, which is fine. And so we're going to be continuing to do some more podcasts and topics around this as we keep moving forward. But again, you got about 12 days left, depending on when you're listening to this podcast right now. All right. So let's jump into it here and start talking about hedging short naked put options. So the first thing we have to understand about this, if you're a newbie trader, or if you've been an experienced trader for a while is you have to obviously understand the makeup of the short naked put contract itself. And when you trade it. So for our example today, we'll just assume the stock is trading at about hundred dollars. We sell the 90 strike put option. So it's about $10 below where the stock is trading right now. And we sell that put option contract for a dollar. So we collect a dollar in premium. And the trade-off here is we now have a maximum profit on this contract of a dollar, but our break-even point has now been reduced to $89. So the 90 strike less the dollar premium that we collected, our break-even point now is $89. So as long as the stock which is currently trading at 100, stays anywhere above our break-even point, we have an opportunity to make money on this trade. If the stock stays above the strike price of 90, we collect the whole amount of premium, the option contract expires, we're super happy, we go on our merry way, and we do it again next month or the next quarter, however you do it. 
So the whole idea with selling puts, and this is why people love it, is that generally, and I say generally with a big asterisk, generally they work out really, really well when markets are either moving up, moving generally sideways, or even sometimes in a little bit of a downtrend or kind of bouncing around. The problem with them obviously is when things go the opposite direction, when markets start to crash or go down really fast, or if you start selling put options when implied volatility is really low, that means that you don't collect a lot of premium or you have to sell the contract really close to where the stock is trading. And so there's not too much wiggle room or margin for error. Then volatility explodes or the market goes down. Those are the times when as a put seller, you get challenged on your position. Now, that doesn't mean that you should avoid trading these contracts. It just means you should understand what to do if those types of situations happen to you, because inevitably they will, just like they happened earlier this year in March, where lots of put sellers got absolutely completely destroyed. Volatility expanded really fast. And if they didn't hedge or adjust or get out of the contracts, they got annihilated by the market moving down. So this is the whole point of this podcast is to help us understand the risks associated with this and what we could do what our options are, no pun intended, what our options are if we get challenged on these positions. So what I want to do is I want to walk through what I've basically thought about as being six different ways that you can hedge or adjust short naked puts. And I'll tell you that it doesn't matter if you do all of these or one of these, you can try to do them in combination with each other. You can do number one first or number two first. You can choose not to do that. And you can just do number five and six later on if you want to. I'm not here to say you have to do these all in a row or in a sequence. They're just the ways in which you could do it. So use these as your tools, your ammo, things in your toolbox you can use moving forward if you get challenged on a position or if you feel like you need to adjust. The first thing that you can do to hedge a short naked put option contract is simply buy the lower put at a lower strike. So this creates a put credit spread. Now, a lot of people would use this in cases where they're trying to trade a put spread and they want to control margin and risk. And it's a great way to do it. What I'm talking about specifically here is even if you have the ability and the capital to trade a short naked put option contract, in many cases, most of the strikes that I see out there, especially for ETFs and regular stocks, it still is worth it to maybe go really far out of the money and just buy that extra long put option contract for a couple dollars and define your risk just in the off chance that something really crazy happens. So I think it's worth it to trade these short naked puts in a synthetic spread version. And so the reason I say that this works as a synthetic is because for the most part, it's going to act like a regular short naked put option contract, except for the fact that you have defined risk. That defined risk can be pretty wide, but it's going to be mostly a synthetic alternative or act very similar to just a regular short put option contract. But in many cases, and again, you got to check the pricing on different strikes and different securities that you're trading. But in many cases, it's worth it to spend the couple dollars just to buy that extra tail protection that we know we sometimes need. Now, this is where I would say you got to go back and listen to the interview that we did with Richard Hudson on the misbehaviors of markets, because the problem with market pricing and especially volatility pricing and option pricing is that it's based on this distribution that we know has tail events happening more often than the probabilities would suggest and in a bigger magnitude than the probabilities would suggest. So the tails happen more often and they're more 
extreme as we just saw in March. So if you need a refresher on that, just rewind your memory just to earlier this year in March where we had a major tail black swan event that really should have statistically never happened in the magnitude and the speed in which it did, but it did. And so if it can save you that one-off scenario that eventually will happen again, we just don't know when, then I think it's worth it to spend a couple dollars to just define the risk, right? You want to go really, really wide on these and super wide on these synthetic spreads? Great. Knock your socks off. But it's a good way to help define the risk on the position and have an immediate hedge in place right away. So in the case of, I'm just looking at a ticker right now, but in GLD, which is really popular right now, a lot of people are trading GLD. A lot of people are trading it bullish. If you were to sell the 45-day, 44-day contracts in GLD right now at a 30 delta, so the naked put at a 30 delta, which is a very standard way that most people do it. So you could do it at a 15 delta or 10 or whatever. I'm just using the 30 as an example. You would collect about $234, $235 right now as it's trading. And that's about the 170 strike. Stock is trading for about 177 and change. So you're selling this 170 strike for $235. Well, you could easily go down to the 115 or not even that. Yeah, the 115 put strike and you could buy that for $3. Now, the difference between 115 and 170 still is a tremendous amount of risk because you're selling this mostly naked, right? But that 115 put option strike that you bought for $3 doesn't dramatically change how much money you make on this position. But what it does do is it protects everything below 115. Now, in the off chance, in the really weird situation that Maybe something happens Fed policy-wise or monetary-wise, and now gold just absolutely tanks. At least you have some protection in place, and it didn't cost you much. Now, I'm not here to say you have to do it at $3, you have to go that far out. I think in different stocks and different ETFs and different circumstances, that pricing might be far out or might be close, whatever the case is, but at least consider just using a synthetic spread as a version of it. So that's the first way that you can hedge short naked puts is just to create a very wide synthetic from the beginning and use that as one level of management for these positions. All right, the second way that you can hedge short naked puts, and this is going to start to get a little bit more complex because now we're going to start to talk about stock movement. So the first way, which was buying the long put at a lower strike, that was pre entry, right? That was when you get into the position, you do both at the same time. Number two here is to sell a short naked call option and convert it into a strangle. So this is a very classic way to do it. And it depends on when you want to do this and how wide your position is, right? So there's a lot of factors that go into this. There's no right way that says, oh, this is the unicorn way. This is the way you always do it, right? You can do it a little bit different. You can choose to be more aggressive. You can choose to be less aggressive and conservative. It's ultimately up to you. But a good way that you can hedge a short naked put option is to sell an opposing set or series of call options on those short puts that you sold. So in our case, if we, again, going back to our example, have a stock trading at 100, we sold the 90 strike put. Now we see that the stock is going down and it's now trading at 92. Now it's not exactly right at our strike price of 90, but we're clearly getting challenged and maybe we're getting a little bit worried that might not work out. So what we could do is we could sell the 95 strike call option. So that call option gives us the 90, 95 strangle in the stock that we're trading. And let's say we sell that 95 strike call option for a dollar. That allows us now to increase the total credit on this position from originally $1 on just the put side to now $2. 
a dollar for the put and a dollar for the call. That extra dollar that we collect now moves the break-even points an extra dollar wider on both sides. So now our original position, which was just a short put option contract at the 90 strike, which we sold for a dollar, that break-even point was $89. Now that we've collected an additional dollar of premium by selling the 95 strike call, creating a strangle, that moves our break-even point out on the put side down by a dollar to $88. Now this is the trade-off that you have to make. And I want to be clear on this because this is an important trade-off. No longer now are you trading this mostly one directional. So when you sold the short put option, the stock could basically trade anywhere above 90 before expiration and you make all the money. When you start converting a position over and you sell the naked short call and convert it into a strangle, now you're confining your profit zone to inside the break-even points. Now, you may be totally comfortable with this, it might depend on how far you are from expiration. It might depend on how much you're being challenged with the position. But the trade-off here is that you have a wider break-even point on the put side. So it gives you more room to be wrong in case the stock continues to move down. In exchange, you had to give up some of the upside window of profit that you could have if the stock moves back above the 95 strike. Now, this is, again, the trade-off you have to make, but it's one way in which you can hedge your short naked puts. The other really cool thing about doing this is that for the most part, and it depends on the broker and how they look at this and how you can do it, for the most part, it's not going to cost you a lot in margin to do this because you already have a lot of margin tied up in the short put option contract. Now, short calls usually require more margin, so you might have to put up a little bit more, but it's not going to be this massive cost thing that you have to do in most cases to add the short call option contract since you already have the opposing short put. The brokers know that the market can't be in two places at one time. So check with your broker, test this out for yourself, maybe do some paper trading around it and see how it kind of works with margin and how the positions work. But it's a good way to make the position more symmetric and add some additional premium to the contracts themselves, which widen out your break-even points and allow you more room, more breathing room in case you're wrong and the stock continues to move lower against your position. You know, I guess too, another thing that we should talk about is that if you are a stock trader or an options trader and you're looking to get into the position, a lot of people sell put options because they're okay or willing to buy the stock at that strike price. And so by selling the opposing call and collecting some money, you could think about it as maybe a pseudo or early covered call option on an existing stock that you might already get assigned. And it just helps reduce the break-even point on that and reduce the cost basis even more by selling that opposing call and turning it into a strangle. So you still might be assigned or maybe you want to get assignment on the position if it goes in the money, but now you're able to reduce the premium even more or reduce the cost basis even more by collecting that additional premium. And that helps you with your stock position moving forward. So it's just important to note that side of it as well. A lot of moving parts here, and I'll try to touch on as many of them as I can. The third way that you can do it, and I don't see a lot of people doing this, but I think it's actually a rather effective way to do it, or at least an effective thing that you should consider, is to actually execute a collar on top of your existing position. So the way you want to think about this is that a collar strategy, and we've talked about this in other podcasts, is a great strategy to use 
on top of existing stock positions themselves. Often I've told people, look, if you have a stock position and you're you know, kind of worried about the position, but you don't want to give up all this upside potential, you don't want to just do the, the call option, sell the covered call and use that premium, you could execute a caller, which is selling a call and then buying a put strike at the same time. Usually people try to do this for net zero cost or even just a small credit or a very, very small debit so that they reduce the cost of insurance. So they sell a call option, which reduces the upside potential, and they use that premium that they collected from selling the call option to buy a put option at a lower strike. So it's basically just a direct trade-off. You're using premium from the call side, and that premium is used to buy the put option contract so that it doesn't really net cost you a lot out of pocket or maybe very little. I think that people could start doing this with naked put strikes as well. So if you're selling a naked put option and you, let's say in this example that we just went through, you sell the naked short call, well, that still keeps all of the downside risk. Yes, your break-even point moved down, which is great by selling the call option and converting it into a strangle. But by doing that, you also still keep all of the downside risk. So in our example, if the stock that was at 100 now moves down to 92 and then say continues down to say 60, you kept all of that risk associated with that big move all the way down to 60. So one thing you could consider doing if you want to, and again, there's trade-offs to doing this. So let's talk through them. One thing that you could consider doing is executing a caller. So still sell the call option contract, but use that premium in the call option contract to finance or purchase the additional put option contract at a lower strike. So now you are using the contract on the call side, the short call that you executed that initially gets you into a strangle situation. You're using that premium to buy or finance most of the purchase of an additional short or an additional long put option contract. So you can think about it like a regular collar because short naked puts are very much a synthetic to long stock anyway. You can think about it like a regular collar where you're using the premium from the call to buy the put option and using most of that premium. Now, it depends on volatility and how much time there is until expiration and a lot of other factors, but you might have to go further out on the put side and buy protection. You might be able to buy protection pretty close. It depends on the pricing at the time, but let's say that you sell the 95 strike call like we walked through in our example and you collected a dollar. That dollar may allow you to buy the 75 strike put option or the 80 strike put option contract. And so what that does is it directly offsets and limits your risk if the stock continues to go lower. Trade-off in doing this for sure is that it doesn't widen your break-even points unless you collect a net credit on doing the collar. So unless you collect the dollar selling the 95 strike call and whatever put option contract you buy is less than a dollar, leaving you with some additional money in your pocket, that additional money would be used to widen out your break-even points. So the trade-off here is you don't have as wide of break-even points or any wider break-even points than you initially had. However, what you did do is you did completely limit the downside risk at a certain strike price of where you bought that long put option. So this is a little bit different, but it's kind of combining what we talked about in number one and number two, which was buying a put option at a lower strike 
initially in the trade. We didn't do that right away or selling a naked call and converting it. We're kind of doing both of those things later in the stage by using a collar strategy. So again, it's a really different one. It's one you could again throw in your back pocket and use in certain situations. And I think it's an effective one if you're really concerned about the stock significantly moving lower, not necessarily just getting challenged on the position, but you're really concerned about the stock taking a nosedive. This might be a good alternative as a way to hedge it. All right. So number four here is a little bit different one, but it's a little bit more of an advanced one that I wanted to throw out there. And it comes from Brian Johnson, who's one of the advisors here at Option Alpha, a longtime options trader. And I was talking with him a while back about how he uses SPX iron condors, because that's a, a favorite strategy of his is to trade SPX wide iron condors. And we were talking about hedging. And one of the things that he considers doing in positions, especially if it's an overnight position where SPX is moving against him, is he uses SPX futures to hedge the position if the market's moving overnight and he can't get into an adjustment or a position because the markets are closed for options. And I want to throw this one out there because I think it allows you the ability to start thinking really creatively about how you can hedge positions, even in some cases with different products like SPX and the ES futures. They're around the same index, but they are different products. One's an index option. The other one is actually a futures contract. But what he does is that if the short strike of one of his iron condors is challenged and it happens to be challenged overnight, he might sell short futures contracts. If let's say we get challenged on the bottom side of an iron condor that he's doing, and he might sell short ES futures contracts just to immediately hedge the position and only to give him time to unwind the position or do something else the next day. This is a really creative way to do it because it's just a mini hedge that's executed at the time so that he doesn't carry all of the overnight risk if the stock continues to move down or if the markets continue to tank. He's basically executed that short ES futures contract to allow himself time to let the markets open and then he can unwind the positions if he wants to. So it's a really creative way to do it. Again, you can use this as a tool to start thinking of different ways you can use other products. Maybe you want to hedge with VIX options. You want to hedge with S&P contracts. You want to hedge with a related or highly correlated ETF or index in your sector that you're trading, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the exact same ticker symbol that you're trading right now. So if you're trading short puts, maybe you have a bunch of short puts on a bunch of tech stocks, you could use QQQ as a means to hedge that position and start to execute some of the similar strategies, which we talked about, like a collar and some of these other things, and just use the cues as your hedging vehicle if you wanted to. Now, again, there's a little bit of risk in the correlations and the distributions and stuff, but it allows you that ability to start thinking creatively with how you can hedge. Number five here, roll down your short call positions. So to piggyback a little bit on number two, which was to execute a short naked call, one of the ways you can continue to hedge a position is by rolling down your short call option contract and continuing to move it closer and closer to where the stock is trading. Now, again, you got to be careful with this and there's no perfect timing or there's no perfect series of you know, transactions where you say, oh, the first contract has to be entered 10 days. And then at five days, you have to adjust it down. There's no perfect formula for this that we've found. And I'm sure there's none that exists. But the idea around doing this is to collect additional premium. So in our example that we had before, we had the stock that moved down from 100 to 92. We had sold the 95 strike call option for a dollar. 
Well, let's say now that fast forward another week, the stock now continues to challenge our short put strike and now moves down from 92 to 90. So now it's right at our short strike that we had originally sold when we initiated the trade. Now let's assume that the 95 strike call, which we had sold for a dollar, has now gone down in value and is now worth 25 cents. So we've actually captured some premium there that we can realize if we were to close out that contract. So when I talk about rolling down your short calls, what you do is you physically close that 95 call option that you sold, you buy it back for 25 cents, therefore capture a little mini profit, if you will, of 75 cents, and you resell a closer contract. Maybe now it's a couple days before expiration and you feel like you can sell something pretty aggressive. So you sell the 91 strike call option because the stock's running out of time anyway, and you want to collect as much premium as possible. You sell the 91 strike call option for a dollar again. So now you've collected a dollar on the initial trade. You've collected a dollar when we sold the 95 strike put. You've collected a net credit on the roll down of 75 cents because we had to buy back the 95 strike call for 25 cents. We sold the 91 strike call for a dollar. So that is a net credit on that additional roll down. The difference between buying it back at the 95 strike and selling the 91 strike of 75 cents, which means in total, we've collected a credit of $2 and 75 cents. And this is great because what this does is this moves our break-even point out by $2.75 on either end. So now our lower side break-even point has been moved down from initially $89, then $88 when we sold the call. Now when we sold this additional closer contract and rolled down our short calls, now our lower side break-even moves down to $87.25. So we continue to give ourselves a buffer in case the stock continues to move lower. Now, as always, the trade-off here is that when you continue to move down your short call strikes, you're now compressing and shrinking the possible range in which the stock can move in as it heads towards expiration. If the stock makes a huge reversal and blows past your call side strikes, now you have to worry about that side as well. The good news is you can do the same thing on the opposite side. You can start rolling up your short puts if you want to as you get closer to expiration. So there's a lot of flexibility in what you can do here with these contracts, but the idea is that you probably wanna do this type of strategy where you roll down a contract or you start getting aggressive with moving things in and tightening up the strategy probably much closer to expiration. You don't want to do this if you're trading 60 days out and the stock makes an early move towards you. It's probably way too early. You might be adjusting too much too fast. You need to give the stock some room to run. So that's the fifth thing that you can do. You can roll down your short call positions. Number six here, and this to me would be the next logical step. So this is where I would say, look, I would think about this as being the last thing that we do. So I would try to do everything that we talked about earlier. I would try to sell the call and convert it to a strangle. I'd roll down the call options. You potentially hedge it you know, with a collar strategy or something like that. If none of this works and now you're at expiration, the thing that I would look at doing next is roll the position out to the next month to extend duration and to collect some more premium. Now, it's important to note here, and I said this earlier, but when we roll a contract or a series of contracts out to the next month to extend duration. The goal in doing that is to essentially punt the position another 30, 40, 60 days, however far you want to roll it out. But only if we have the ability to collect a premium and an additional credit for extending that timeline. 
The problem that I see with a lot of people who do this is that they do a couple things, which I don't think they should do, but you be the judge of how you want to do it. I think you should not do some of these things. The first thing that people do when they roll a contract out or they roll a position out is they increase the risk in the position by either selling more contracts in the next month to basically get that credit, or they increase the width of the position in the next month if they're doing a spread to collect more credit as well. Both of these things increase the risk in the position. And to me, this is my opinion on this, to me, if the position is challenged, the last thing that we want to do is dig ourselves a deeper hole just so that we can prove we were right by rolling the contract out to the next month and getting a win in our column if that's our goal. So I would much rather have a contract that say we sell five short naked puts. I'm just going to move those five out. I'm not going to sell an additional two contracts to double down or start doubling down on the position just so that I can get a credit. So when we talk about rolling out the position, all we're talking about doing is simply closing the current month. So whatever month or contract you're trading right now, you buy back those contracts and you reopen the exact same contracts in the next month. And if you can do that for a net credit, basically you get paid for taking the additional time, then that credit continues to reduce the cost basis and increase the width between your strikes and your break-even point. So if we just have, just for an example, the short put option that we sold at the 90 strike, and we never did any of the hedging with the short calls or the collar or rolling down the short calls, just think back to our short put at the 90 strike, which we sold for a dollar. If the market's now challenging us, and if we can roll that short put to the next month for another dollar in premium, we've effectively increased the premium in the position in the totality of the trade, which I would look at as the totality of the trade of the two different contract months in total of $2. So we close the 90 strike and that maybe has a lot less premium, right? Than the next monthly contract because it's now another month out and there's time decay and volatility decay. So by selling the next month and the difference between selling that month and buying back our existing month, we're left with another dollar of net credit. That to me is a good trade. That's a good trade. If you want to continue it, you still have the same assumptions. You still think the stock is going to stop moving down or move sideways or move up or whatever. You still want to continue the position and you want to roll the position out for extra duration, just more time. As long as you can do so for an additional credit that allows you to widen out your break-even points if you're wrong, I think it's a worthwhile decision. I don't think in every situation it makes sense. I think in many situations, it could definitely make sense. One example of where I don't think it makes sense is if your portfolio is now starting to turn super, super bullish and rolling this position out makes you even more bullish now, right? And what you need instead of just a win is you need to rebalance and re-neutralize some of your positions, but basically carrying on this bullish position might be detrimental to the rest of the positions that you have existing. So even though you might be able to roll for a credit or extend the duration, maybe it's not in your best interest to do that. Also, if you think that there's something that has changed dramatically in the underlying security that you're trading, there's new fundamental data or company data that would suggest that the trend or the tide is changing and all the assumptions that you had before 
as to why you wanted to be bullish on the stock now are no longer relevant. Okay, that would be another case where just rolling to extend the position and get that win, air fingers quotes, just so that you can say you had a win would probably not be a good situation. But assuming you like the position, you still want to continue it, you have no problem owning the stock if you're assigned, rolling the position out for an extra credit and duration is a good thing to do. Now, the cool thing about doing this is that if you did hedge with the short call option contract and you did roll down that call option contract and now you've got a strangle or a straddle, you can actually roll the entire position out if you wanted to. And you can choose to, in some cases, the pricing works out where you can re-widen those wings a little bit when you roll. Some people, what they do is they roll contracts and they use the exact same strikes. But if you have the ability and you should test it out and price it before you do it, if you have the ability to roll the contract and now make your wings wider, so instead of rolling the 90 strike put and the 91 strike call, if you can roll and still get a credit and make those strikes $2 wider on both sides, so the 93 strike call and the 88 strike put and still do that for a credit, maybe that's worth doing too because now you've extended the timeline, you've collected some additional credit, and you've widened that strike zone from where you can catch the stock if it moves in the next month, which inevitably it's going to move. So there's a lot of ways in which you can work with positions. I'll be totally honest with you. The reason I like going through stuff like this is because what you see in this type of podcast, or hopefully what you got out of this, is that there's no one way to skin this cat, right? All of these trades and trading strategies that you can start to execute, there's so many different things you can do. No pun intended, there's so many different options as to what you can do to work with the position and massage it and reformat the position and hedge it and take the hedge on and take it off and change the risk profile. You just frankly can't do that with a lot of things in the financial world. You definitely can't really do that with stocks unless you entertain options. You really can't do that with other types of financial asset classes. Options is the only way you can make these decisions really quickly and dramatically shift payoff and risk distributions in the snap of a finger. And so what's really cool about this to me is that ability to take a strategy which you thought you wanted to do one thing and just dynamically right in the middle of that strategy, completely turn it around to do something else. And that's really powerful. The last thing I want to end with here is that a lot of what we talked about here for hedging positions, and we've talked about this on other podcasts, but actually can be done using the automation tools that we have in the new auto trading platform. So we knew heading into this for the last five years as we've been building this out, that you guys are going to want to use some of these automation tools to check positions, check pricing, and potentially start executing adjustments and hedges. And so we have that ability in there. You just have to know what your triggers are, right? And you have to know what you're going to do if those triggers are met. And as long as you have those in place, and it could be a really complex set of decisions if you wanted to, you can start to use the bots to automatically start hedging and adjusting positions. And that is a really, really cool feature that nobody has. And I've always wondered, like, why doesn't anybody have that? And we'll continue to build out features like this. And again, you can see one of them. We go through an example of this using put credit spreads and some call credit spreads on one of the demos that we do. So just head on over to optionalpha.com slash demo. And we walk through this where if a leg gets challenged or if a leg delta goes up or the gamma value of a leg happens to be whatever, or the probability of profit goes down below some threshold, you can start to execute some adjusting or hedging or rolling trades. Again, you just have to know what you want the bot to do and then just tell it what the steps are to take if certain triggers are hit. Super, super cool stuff. And I know you guys are going to love it.
All right. So as always, if you guys want access to today's show notes and all the notes around hedging positions, head on over to optionoff.com slash show 196. Again, that's just the number 196, optionoff.com slash show 196. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hello, Kirk. I hope you're well and I hope your family is well during this pandemic. And I have three quick questions. It won't take much of your time. My first question is, regarding rolling a position to the next expiration period versus adjusting it. So let's say, for example, that you have a credit put spread at 30% probability of it being in the money and you have 30 days until expiration. Now, let's say two weeks, uh, let's say three weeks pass and now you have two weeks until expiration and the stock went completely against your directional assumption. So you're at a loss right now. Now, would you cut your losses more if you roll it to the next expiration period or adjust it by making it an iron condor? That's my first question. My second question is regarding commissions. Now, I don't know about you, but in my situation, they charge me $6.50 per contract. And this is an absurd amount of money, given if you have a very limited amount of money to invest in. So yeah, that's that. My question really is, what other platform do you prefer or maybe that you use that would allow me to uh, go around these commissions or pay less amount of commission? So that's really my question. My third question is, I've been trading options, so basically for 60 days now, and it's been going really well. I started with $2,000 to play around with and now... I'm at $6,000. It hasn't really been consistent. You know, I've been losing here and there and then I've been gaining. But when I've been gaining, I've been liquidating it. So what I've been doing is I've been reading the news. I've been doing technical analysis as well. And I've been really buying calls and puts at the money. Buying calls or puts at the money and far out of expiration. So almost a year uh, off expiration period. And uh, do you think this is just luck? Should I keep doing it? Should I avoid it? What are your thoughts about it? And that's about it. Thank you very much. Hey, Nico, thank you so much for submitting your question here. I know you had a couple different ones, so I want to take these right in order if I can. The first one on a rolling and adjusting the put credit spread that you sold that moved completely against you. I think if you're two weeks to expiration, this is definitely the time to start moving those contracts and start making adjustments. So my opinion on this is always, I try to adjust the position in the current month. So try to work with it in the current month before I just immediately punt the position out to the next month. So I would try to adjust the position by rolling in whatever side is being challenged on this. In this case, if you have a put credit spread, you can roll in the covered call side or the call spread side. If you don't have the call spread side, you can add it and convert it into an iron condor as we talked about, or you can start rolling in those strikes and make it into an iron butterfly. I would do everything you can to adjust the position in the current month. If that doesn't work, then yeah, punt the position out to the next month. Try to do so for a credit like we talked about in the podcast today and see if you can live to fight another day in the next expiration. Regarding commissions, I'm not sure what broker you've looked at or what brokers you've looked at, but a lot of brokers obviously have much cheaper commissions 
commissions now. So continue to negotiate, continue to look at different brokers. There's a lot of ones that we integrate with on the new auto trading platform. So you can check out all of those ones as well. But ultimately, commissions are just a cost of doing business. I think they're going to continue to gravitate towards zero or near zero. And we'll see that that trend continue to happen in the future. As far as you know, your track record in the past 60 days, it's awesome that you've you know done so well and you've done really well with just buying calls and puts at the money. I don't know if I would say it's luck, but I would say that you've had a good run of sequencing and trades that have worked out well. So my reaction to that is always, is the strategy you're using on a longer time period, as we talked about in, I think, the last episode that we did on the short-term performance of long-term strategies, is a strategy that you're using expected to generate a positive expected outcome, or are you just in a sequence of returns that are really good? And if you are, great. It's always good to be in that sequence of returns than the opposite, which is a sequence of negative returns for no apparent reason. So that's what I would look at. I would look at what is the strategy they're using? Is it bound to make money long-term? Is it a strategy that you can rely on for some statistical or data edge? And if it is, and you just are running into a good sequence of returns right now, great. Keep up with it and just keep your head above water in case the returns start to dip and go through a period of, of drawdowns. So Hopefully that helps out. As always, if you guys want to get your questions answered here on the podcast, simply head on over to optionup.com slash ask and click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. All right. So today we're going to get into the closing bell segment and we're going to be talking about a new trade that we're making right now. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. Moving forward. All right, so new trade that we're making today, again, this is always at the time I'm recording this video, is a new trade that we entered into in XLU. So XLU is the Spider Utilities ETF. What I like about this one, as always, is that it gives us or adds a lot of uncorrelated protection and diversification to our portfolio gives us that ability to trade a completely different asset class pretty simply, which is utilities. And I like that. Now, XLU tends to be one of those ones that has pretty dramatic moves, even sometimes in the same month. So it seems like it goes through periods where it's very calm and very quiet. And then it has some periods where it can go up essentially like nine or $10 and all the way back down in the same expiration month. So it is a stock or an ETF that tends to move quite a bit but we still want to add it in our portfolio to give us a lot of diversity and all these different uncorrelated tickers. Right now, at the time that I'm recording this, XLU is trading right about 62 and some change. So about 62.80 or so. And what we're going to do is we're going to enter the Iron Butterfly selling the 63. So a little bit bullish in tilts, kind of tilting a little bit bullish towards the existing move that it's making right now. The 63 centered Iron Butterfly buying the wings out at the 70 call strike and the 52 put strike. So notice that we're buying wings really far out on either end. We're using a little bit of premium that we collected on the 63 centered straddle strikes, those short calls and short puts to finance, obviously, and have a lot left over, but still finance the purchase of those out of the money wings, which I definitely want to do heading into November expiration. So we talked about this on a previous podcast, but still heading into November expiration, I do not want to have anything undefined risk. Everything's going to be defined risk. I have no problem spending a little bit of money to buy that protection on the wings just in case something crazy happens. Overall, we're collecting about $3.53 credit on this position. Should give us about a 60, 63% probability of success. Of course, we'll try to look to close this position sometime soon if we uh, if we get a good move in the right direction or volatility calms down and the stock really doesn't move, 
have an opportunity to close it early before expiration, we'll definitely do so and try to get this position off. So again, that's the XLU Iron Butterfly selling the 63 call and put and then buying the 70 strike call and the 52 strike put for protection. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so that's a wrap for this week's podcast episode here at Option Alpha. But before you go, please keep the conversation going with us. Please connect with us on your favorite social media platform. We are everywhere at Option Alpha. Let us know what questions you have, what ideas you had. If you have different ideas on how to hedge positions, let us know. We're always open to hearing new ideas and new ways of doing it. If you've seen some research out there on hedging, let us know as well. We're always always geeking out about new ways to do things here at Option Alpha, especially with trading options. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about trend trading with options and doing it fully automated. So this is going to be a really cool topic where we're going to go through some of the trend trading bots that we've been able to build. And trend trading is a really popular topic. A lot of people love trend trading. Now we're giving you the ability to trend trade with options or stocks and do it fully automated. And so we're going to be setting up some of those bots and templates next week on the show. Again, we've got lots of demos coming up. So Join us on a demo anytime in the next couple of days. We've only got 12 days left until the price goes up for Elite Lifetime Membership. So jump on a demo with us, optionalpha.com slash demo. Get your questions answered. I'll be there as long as possible every time to answer as many questions as we possibly can. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to help you consistently play smarter, more profitable trades. Until next time, happy trading.